things. A couple this week was supposed to be JFK Jr. and Carolyn Bissett. But we decided not to pursue this story, maybe because his family's been through too much, or maybe because these wounds are still kind of fresh. Plus, we watched the movie. I have to say, we watched the movie of the lost their... It's a lost tapes. video of, yeah, of their wedding. Yeah. And it was so moving. And yeah. I just said, I, I was glad. I said, I don't think we can do this. And he's like, I don't either. Because he'd done research. <laughs> My research is typically watching movies, to be fair. Right. And so I, because it was just too sad. There was, you know, the love and the misery. There was too much misery. Well, and it's. It made me sad. Yeah. And I feel bad for the family. I'm a big, oh, big John F. Kennedy fan. And yeah, I got about. Three quarters way done doing the research, and then we kind of looked at each other and said, "Nope, maybe we should we should skip this one." Go back to the drawing board. That's right. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to talk about another couple this week. Uh, This new duo is a couple of artists that got together during the early 1900s, and both made a splash in the art world. One was a famous one was famous for painting murals and dabbled in cubism. The other was known for surrealism or magic realism and was portrayed by Selma Hayek in the movie Frida. So this time, our podcast is to look into the relationship of Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo was born Magdalena Carmine Frida Kahlo e Calderon on July 6th, 1907 in Cayocan, Mexico City, Mexico. I gotta say, we've t- we're trying on the on the pronunciation. So please cut us some slack. But if you because we've looked it up, use the you know what do you call it the Google where the you Google can translator translate to, pronunciation. And so machine, we're really trying so. hard. And so give us a little bit of grace. A little bit of grace yeah. on this one okay. because there's there's it's, quite a few Spanish phrases and things and, and so. names that we're we'll it's we we want to do it justice. And so yes. okay, go ahead. So her father was named Wilhelm, also called. Guillermo, and was a German photographer from Hungary. He immigrated to Mexico, where he met and married her mother, Matilda, a Spanish woman of Native American descent. She had two older sisters, Matilda and Adriana, and her younger sister, Christina, was born a year after Frida. I couldn't find much about the parents or family members. Frida suffered a number of obstacles while growing up, including polio as a child. Again, we're talking about life in Mexico in the early 1900s. Polio is an infectious disease caused by the polio virus. It causes muscle weakness, resulting in the inability to move. The weakness often involves the legs and less commonly involves muscles of the head, neck, and diaphragm. Many people fully recover, which is kind of nice, right? Right. Our 32nd president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, had polio that came on later in life in 1921 at the age of 39. Wow. Yeah. I saw a Ken Burns documentary called The Roosevelt's. I don't think you saw it with me. And Mm -hmm. it was fascinating how, I thought it was fascinating how FDR would only let the press photograph him during certain times. He didn't want the mass public at that point to know he was battling with this illness. And had a hard time walking and getting around. He didn't want yeah, he to be to keep up appearances. Yeah, keep up appearances. He didn't want to be, be photographed, be you know, being carried around or he wheeled to be around. Presidential. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So I know I told you this already, but my great uncle, Gino, he died of polio. Oh, you did tell me yeah, that. Gino. Was, yep, nice Italian was, name. Nice Gino. Italian name, right? And so he was a teenager and he contracted polio. And um, in fact, he shared a bedroom with my grandfather in their old farmhouse, which you went to, the oh, farm. Polly. Right? And, <laughs> right, Polly, Polly Bus. And the family was worried that he would, that Paul would get this uh get polio too but he never contracted it luckily but but unfortunately gino died they oh didn't goodness. have yeah they didn't and he was uh, again you know early teens and he did, they didn't have you know the the medicine the what yeah. do they the, they used uh, to have like a thing called the iron lung yeah. that would help you breathe that's right and it was really a, a whole ordeal right yep. Yep. so he must have had the diaphragm he probably paralysis. did and they lived on a farm right out yeah. in kalamazoo and that's they didn't have, I'm guessing, you know, a very robust medical system. I wouldn't think so. System and, I wouldn't think yeah, so. so. And that anyway. was, he. you said it was like in the 1930s? Yeah. When he was a teenager? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Jonas Salk so, had uh, invented the polio I vaccine know. at that point. We need we need a Jonas Salk right now. We the, do need a Jonas Salk. For the vid. For the, for the COVID-19. Absolutely. I know we do. Oh boy. Okay. Well, okay. We're, we're totally off Sorry topic to be now. off topic. Everyone wear your masks. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's my, that's the PSA. Very good. I like that. So um, she got through polio. Very strong woman. Uh, Frida Kahlo was. Mm -hmm. um, and she, at the age of 15 in 1922, she uh, went to medical school. The beginnings of medical school. She okay. was 15. She entered the National Preparatory School in Mexico City with an interest to eventually study medicine. Okay. So yeah. she wasn't in medical school, She was, but she had expressed an interest to be a doctor. Yeah, like we talked okay. about in Good past episodes, like a secondary school to kind yeah. of get you to the next level. Okay. Uh, she was a very promising student. Uh, she was one of few females that attended the school. And she was better known for her jovial spirit and love of color and traditional clothes and jewelry. Okay. This is where I figured you'd come in with us. That's a, right, with, with a, my jewelry. With well, your designing. With my... With my <laughs> <laughs> With my feedback, like fashion feedback. Sure. Well, I mean, from the research that I did, which I told you I did a little bit more research on this because nice. she was a very interesting woman, right? Yeah. And strong. Very strong. Um, but her sense of style was pretty unique. And I I have to say, I, I um, captured a bunch of screenshots of mm -hmm. her her traditional dress right. and jewelry and things. And, and, yeah. I, and I think, um, like in the movie... Her oh, look and her her uh, style progressed as she got absolutely a little more mature and, mm -hmm. and older. Are, do we already talk about the movie? I really like the movie. No, I mean, it was sad though. It was sad at the that end. That was but... a. This is how I do a lot of research too. My <laughs> movies visual. It's it's kind of like reading the Cliff's notes. Yes, exactly. Like which I the have notes. to admit, maybe I did in college. Not gonna say anything. Okay, but um, but no, the movie was really good. But it really showed it how hard her life was, which I think I'm spoiler alert, getting into that. Go ahead. Yep, And we'll get Go into ahead. that. Go ahead. We'll Go definitely ahead. get into that. Um, while she was uh, at the school, she became more politically active. She joined the young communist league and the Mexico communist party. Mm, communism. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. She was a commie. Yep. So uh, while there, she met Rivera for the first time. He was working on a mural in the school's auditorium. And she and was like 15? 
She was young. Yeah, 15, 16, maybe yeah. at that point. And she, I guess she would quite often go and watch him work on this mural called The Creation in the school's lecture hall. According to some reports, she told a friend that she would someday have Rivera's baby. I did see that too. Yeah, that she was really, from the beginning, infatuated with this man. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Infatuated with his painting and, and his and whole his mystique. And his talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then on September 17th, 1925, Calo and Alejandro Gomez Arias, a school friend for whom she was romantically involved, allegedly, were traveling together on a bus when the vehicle collided with a streetcar. As a result of the collision, a, a handrail got loose from the car and it impaled Frida. It went into her hip and came out the other side. Terrible. She was she was extremely in bad shape, right? Oh, yeah. It was terrible. Oh, she was in the hospital for, well, okay, fine. This is from the movie. But for three weeks before she even realized she was in the hospital. Yes. It was awful. Yes. Oh, and she was a young woman and, you know, it was right through her. Her hip and her, and, her, and her pelvis, and she had a cracked yep. pelvis, and oh my gosh! Yep, I have a shattered. List, I have a shattered. listing right here. Yeah, okay. shattered pelvis, broken foot, dislocated shoulder, yeah, fractures in her spine, collarbone, and uh, ribs. I mean, she's already recovered from polio. Yep. Now she has a horrible accident where she's in a lot of pain. Yeah. They had, in the movie, they kind of show her in full body casts yes. and the whole nine. Several times. Several though. times. She was, like you said, she was in the Red Cross Hospital in mm -hmm. Mexico City for several weeks mm -hmm. and had to undergo more than 30 medical operations during her lifetime. Right. At the time, she was only 18 years old. That's just... And I tell you, hardship. I yeah, mean, right off the bat. There's the misery. Yeah, that too. Right. Yeah, she can't seem but to get a break. But she was very strong. Absolutely. This, really in fought to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. And then while lying in bed, she rediscovered her uh, talent and uh, ability to draw and paint. Yes. And it kind of, uh, you know, not that everything happens for a reason, but this became her passion at that it point. It changed the trajectory of her career path. Co correct. Right? And she, yeah. she got, went to the point where maybe I can make a career out of this. Mm -hmm. Right? Because she couldn't... She was she was basically immobile for so long. It would be almost prohibitive to be a doctor at that point, right? Yeah, because you, so you got to get could, around. Yeah, at that point, yeah. she couldn't walk. She couldn't do anything. Right. She could barely move at yeah. all. Um, she started reading up on all the old masters from you know her art books, and she began to paint for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. In the movie, they show uh, a mirror suspended from yeah. the top of her bed so that she wouldn't have to even like bend her neck to draw. She could just look at the ceiling and draw in front of her. And she could do self-portraits. Yes. And a lot of times, that was very, the majority she, of she the did, first ones were all self-portraits. Yes. And she and did that. And they showed that her her eyes, that's the, something that they really highlighted, the, like the stare that she had, the, yes. you know, the deepness in her soul, basically, yes. into her painting. She was able to portray that with her with her art. Absolutely. It and was really amazing. I kept looking and, and then I would like Google more of the pictures and I was like really amazed. Yes. And, and throughout her lifetime, she did many, many self portraits mm -hmm. and usually it, it changed yeah, as and to where she was in her life. That's what I was going to say. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. We're having a conversation here. So that's what I was going to say. You know, a big event would happen in her life 
usually not a good event. And um, well, she had some good. There's some did. love. There, oh, this is not just lo- called misery, misery. It's called love and misery. So <laughs> I think they truly let's love not each ruin- other. Yeah, I know. Have we gotten there? We haven't gotten there. No, yet. we haven't okay. gotten there. We'll yet. get there though. So there's a ton of misery, but there is love too, and, right. and so you'll see that. You can see that in her art as well. That's right. Um, she was uh, known to be a prominent and recognizable figure in the Chicano history and the feminist movement. Right. Mm-hmm. They even hinted, and full blown, not hinted in the movie. Not hinted. Very <laughs> that she clear uh, movie. liked women yeah, as well as that's men. That's right. And so, because of this, uh, she later became a champion for women and an icon in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. That's right. She spent most of her time in La Casa Azul, which is the, the Blue, Blue House. House. That's right. And I have to say, I checked with my. Um, Eighth grader, almost eighth grader, yep. who is in going in Spanish too. And he, yes, yeah, said yes, that is, he confirmed that is the Blue House. That's so right. I'm happy that he has learned something in Spanish one. Good job. Yep. After her recovery, Frida officially joined the Mexican Communist Party, where again, she met Rivera and she showed him some of her work and he encouraged her to continue to paint. And she was like, oh, come on, it's not that good. And he's like, no, it's original. Yeah. It's great. Keep at it. She thought that his compliments were just to get her romantically involved. That's Let's a good say, way. That's a good way. That's of putting a it. very broad stroke of, euf- of euphemism. Uh, but he was. But he was sincere. No pen. No pun intended. As we're talking about painters. Oh, Brad's. That was accidental. Well, look at me. You're okay. Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Now let's talk about Diego Rivera, born, oh boy, get the pronunciation please on hold. Okay. <laughs> and we try, I, can I preface? Yes. We really tried listening to uh, pronunciation.com, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So it's not great. Well, let's we see. Tr- but we try. Mm. Okay. Okay. Diego. Set expectations. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Diego Maria de la Concepcion Juan Napometeo. <laughs> de la Ria y Barrientos Acosta e Rodriguez. So I imagine Ooh, trying to sign a, in that. Well, trying to sign a check <laughs> with that name would be rough. I, I think right? that's why he shortened it to just Diego Rivera. That's yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Wow, that is a long name. Yeah. He was born on December 8th, 1884, and was one of two twin boys born to born in Guanajuato, Mexico. That was pretty good. Well done. To Maria del Pier Barrientos and Diego Rivera Acosta. A well-to-do couple. His twin brother, Carlos, died two years after they were born. That's sad. Yeah. And I'm not really sure how he died. I just... Couldn't get the history on that. Yeah. Okay. Their family was said to have um, converso and ancestry. Do you know what that is? No. Okay. So his Spanish ancestors who were forced to convert from Judaism to Catholicism in the 15th and 16th century. Wow. Yeah. That's okay. That's a, I mean, that's a big change. Yeah. And so Rivera wrote in 1935, my Jewishness is the dominant element in my life. So then his, so although they had to convert, his family must have kept their traditions, at least private, right? 
I'll bet they and did. Kept that within the family. Yeah, I'll but bet they, they did. But they were forced to convert. That's right. Like out in the open. Wow. Okay. Yep. So Rivera began began drawing at the age of three, a year after his twin brother died, when he was caught drawing on the walls of the house. Mm. His parents, instead of scolding him, installed chalkboards and canvas on the walls to encourage him to to paint and draw. It's pretty amazing. That's very progressive and, yeah, very cool. One of his earliest influences was artist Jose Posada, who ran a print shop near Diego's school. His parents encouraged Diego's artistic talent, enrolling him in the San Carlos Academy of Fine Arts when he was approximately 12 years old. Wow, very cool. There he studied traditional painting and sculpting techniques. Um, one of his fellow students, Gerardo Murillo, uh, was an artist that was one of the driving forces behind the Mexican moral mural, sorry, movement in the early 20th century. The mural movement, I, I have to, I know I'm going to do spoiler alert here, <laughs> but I looked up because I was, didn't know a ton about yeah. him, about Rivera. Yep. And the, um, his murals were amazing. Yeah, they were. Yes. They were. And uh, yeah, I was going to say that it was, a, they started this movement in the earliest 20th century. And um, in 1905, the two students joined up to basically help up and coming artists in exhibitions um, with these, these murals. And, and, and he was, he became famous for doing murals in all, all kinds of cities and, and places. And again, earlier we said that that's where he originally met Frida when he was mm -hmm. doing a mur mural at her school in mm -hmm. the, the gymnasium. Exactly. Are you going to talk about the ones in Detroit? Uh, yes, I do okay. mention those. All right, I'll talk about, okay. <laughs> I'm totally spoiling your whole plan. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. In 1905, the two students joined a group of up-and-coming artists in an exhibition organized by the editors of Savoia Mardina magazine. Rivera completed his studies in 1905, and the following year, he exhibited more than two dozen paintings at the annual San Carlos Academy Art Show. One of his works from that time was entitled La Era, or The Threshing, and it displayed elements of Impressionism, and he played with light and shadow and started to show a distinct color pattern for what he would later be recognized for. In 1907, R Rivera received a government sponsorship to study in Europe. Uh, he went to Madrid and he studied with realistic painter Eduardo Carrucho at the San Fernando Royal <laughs> Academy. He didn't look that one up, honey. Yeah, I know. Okay. There, Rivera created paintings like Night Scene at Avia, a work containing elements of realism and impressionism. At Madrid's Prada Museum, he familiarized himself with the paintings of such Spanish masters like El Greco, Francisco Goya, and Diego Valdez, all of whom were definitely influences on his painting. From Madrid, he moved to Paris. Um, there, he lived on and off for several years with avant-garde painters, including Piet Mondrian, and Mod 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 I know that. 
Mogolani. I know who that is, but that's yes. not how you say it. And his wife. Mo- Modigliani. Modigliani. Fudge. How do we not? We know that. <laughs> Modigliani. Modigliani. Yes. And his wife. Okay. Modigliani. That's right. Rivera showed six paintings in the 1910 exhibition sponsored by the Society of Independent Artists in Paris, including a realistic portrait entitled Head of a Breton Woman. Other works the artist completed during this time included The Breton Girl and House Over the Bridge. During this period, he befriended many leading artists of the day, including Pablo Picasso. He was also very influential by works of Paul Gauguin and Henri Matisse. Wow. Do you so remember? He, yeah, Gohan? of course. We went to the to the exhibit. Yeah, we went to the Matisse exhibit in yes. Paris. And it was mostly was drawings, in, was but there were some, so some paintings cool, there. And it was very right? cool. Yeah. Rivera had some success as a Cubist painter in Europe, but by the course of world events would strongly uh, change the style and subject of his work, inspired by political um, ideals of the Mexican Revolution and the Russian Revolution, Rivera wanted to make the art reflective of the lives of the working class and the native people of America, of uh, Mexico. Okay. And, and he was a commie. So, I mean, he was power he was to the people, co- yeah, right? That's right. He was communist. So, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, I didn't know all of the, the travels and the studies he did in Europe. Yeah. That's interesting. It is. I mean, yeah. I think all he the great really... painters, they do, these types of things to get all Globally these different and, influences. And so and, they can. Yeah. I mean, think about it, who he's worked with. Yeah. In his life. Wow. So again, he had more influences. He went to Italy. Um, and that really inspired his uh, wanting to make more murals with the looking at the frescoes that were all over, uh, you know, the Renaissance painting and the frescoes uh, in Italy. Upon returning to Mexico, Rivera began to express his artist's ideas about Mexico. He received funding from the government to create a series of murals about the country's people and its history on the walls of public buildings. He became a prominent Mexican painter at that point. Do you know why he wanted to do the public buildings? Yeah. He wanted his art to be seen by everyone. That's right. Not just museums where people, you know, where more the wealthy can afford to go, but to, to be seen by his, you know, his people. So I thought that was very, you know. A- Absolutely. He was definitely of the people. You know, mm-hmm. he wanted yeah. he wanted it to be seen. He wanted a large number of people to yes. see his murals on a daily basis to maybe yes. influence regular their, places. And, yeah. Yep. And regular people. Right. Mm hmm. His large frescoes helped establish the mural movement in Mexico and even internationally. In fact, between 1922 and 1953, Rivera painted murals in, among other places, Mexico City, Mm -hmm. Chapango, San Francisco, Detroit, New York. I've seen some of the murals in New York and in Detroit. So the murals in Detroit... So when I saw that, it really interested me. So, of course, I did my real quick Google searching. Google research. Yes, that's right. Since you're the heavy lifting, but I did some light lifting. Great. And um, in 1932, Diego Rivera was commissioned to paint 27 frescoes in the Detroit Institute of Art in Midtown Detroit, which we've been to. I love that. That's one of my favorite uh, places to go when I'm in Detroit, the DIA. Yes, and um, they and I looked at them. They're amazing. They depict 
laborers working at the Ford Motor Company's River Rouge plant. Nice. It was really, yeah. It's and that's and where I, my dad worked. I know. In River Rouge. Exactly. And I yep. looked at the, I mean, the, the paintings are are really stunning. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but I thought, oh, River Rouge, you got yeah. a little bit of your family that's heritage right. there. Okay. So that was pretty cool. And speaking of the DIA, the last time I went to the DIA was with my mom. Oh, yeah. She was taking an art class at Very uh, nice. the community college and she had to go there to look up some stuff. And that's where I, I always kind of gravitate towards the impressionists mm -hmm. and I, them. I do. Have, and yeah. I uh, saw an artist there that I had never seen before. Paul Klee. He's a oh. German artist, an impressionist. He does some mm -hmm. cubism and stuff like that and was fascinated by his work ever since. Love And a guy. nod to your mom, one of our bigger fans of this podcast. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> one right. of actually, I'd say the biggest. <laughs> Possibly the biggest. So um, murals aside, he, uh, getting back to his communist uh, thinkings, he actually hosted um, a Russian exile, uh, Leon Trotsky and his wife at his home in Mexico City in the 1930s. Oh, yeah. Trotsky was exiled from Russia. Um, people were trying to kill him. He went to another country and they, you know, they kicked him out. And so he ended up in Mexico City. Yeah, you saw what happened in the movie. Yeah, yes. Are you going to talk about that? Yeah. Well, he. Here's the. Go ahead. Love and misery. No, you go ahead. No, he. I mean, somebody took a shot at him and and tried to kill him right okay. in their home. But what about the relationship? Well, we'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Jumping ahead. Jumping ahead again. Okay. But this is a shoulder. good. It's a teaser. That's right. So Diego, uh, widely known for his Marxist leanings, uh, along with Marxist revolutionary Che Guevara. Yeah, he was. He, I think that was the guy who was played by. Um, oh, what's his name? Oh, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> uh, We're gonna have to. It's too sexy. I'm too sexy with the guy. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Antonio. Antonio Banderas. Hi, yeah. I think that was the I character that he played really? in the movie. Oh, let's check. We'll check. We're gonna do a little fact fact finding on that one. Yes. Okay. So um, he had this sole group of people that he used to meet with. And if you rent the movie, Frida. Um, rent? Or buy or. <laughs> but rent. <laughs> well, what stream. Are, they, are people going to go to Blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm dating Hi. myself. Hi. Do you have the movie? Here's my Blockbuster card. All right. Now okay. you're just making fun of me. I know. Now let's talk about their life together. So Frida, before Frida, Rivera had two marriages. Angelina Beloff, that lasted 10 years, from 11, 1911 to 1921. And Gua, uh, Guadalupe Marin, which lasted seven years. See, they keep getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, seven year itch. Yeah. And he was still married um, to Guadalupe when he met the then art student, Frida Kahlo, in 1928. Yeah, he was... He was what you would maybe say a player. He had some game for he sure. Had, but which I, I mean, maybe it was the art. I don't know, but no. it wasn't, you know, his felt looks. No offense. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's not nice, but it well, was okay. And he was a much older than Frida. He had a lot of charisma. He must've had a lot of charisma. So again, we talked about, he encouraged her artwork and the two began a relationship. During the early years, Callow often followed 
Rivera based on where his commissions were. You know, Do you he, know why he did that or why she did that? Yeah, because she didn't want him to stray. Correct, because her the ex-wife, the second ex-wife, yeah. seemed to befriend her mm -hmm. and basically said, okay, well, when he goes off for his travels, just be ready that he's not going to be faithful. And so she right. was all, maybe I'll join him. Well, but Which in, didn't totally work, but right. no, it didn't. probably helped a little. But in the movie, they actually showed him saying, I want you to come with me, which was something new. That was That's how new. you knew that yeah. it was kind of a, a good, you know, something good going on there. Yeah, but he was still. Mm. Yeah. At the time um, of their marriage, he was 42 and she was just just finishing being a student at 22. Yeah. So that's okay. a big so gap. So it's a big gap. Yeah. Soon after marrying uh, Rivera in 1929, Calla changed her personal and painting style. She began wearing a traditional Tahana dress that became her trademark. It consisted of flowered a flowered headdress, a loose blouse, gold jewelry, and a long ruffled shirt, which you can see in her paintings. She's, a lot of her paintings, she draws portraits, yeah. and they are in that yeah typical. And we talked that about outfit. that a lot of mm -hmm. her tragedies and her yeah. trials are right on canvas. You can yes, see them. right. Yeah, which which I really you know find refreshing. It's very honest. Yep. So in 1930, they lived in San Francisco for a while, again, doing a mural there, then went to a New York City for Rivera's show at the Museum of Modern Art. So, she, so she put her her painting behind a little bit, right? She put, she her, put career her career on hold, on hold for a little to bit. go with him because those were his his murals. And they were his commissions. Like he was, yes. that was how they were living right. off of his money. After this in 1932, the artist and his wife headed east where a commission awaited at the Detroit Institute of Arts, which we yeah, talked about. Right. That is where he produced 27 panels collectively known as the Detroit Industry Murals. Depicted the evolution of the Ford Motor Company for the most part. Rivera considered this series, which he completed in 1933 with the help of his assistants, to be one of his most successful projects to date. Again, I know I already said it. I saw. I was, they're amazing. Know, they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Upon returning to Mexico City in 1934, Callow made no paintings, and only two the following year, due to health complications. And then I put in here, and probably taking a backseat to Rivera. Right. Trying to get her. Yeah, she needs kind of to get her groove back. Right. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah. You know. So it was never really a traditional marriage. They kept separate. Uh, houses, although they were attached, they had a bridge. They had a bridge. So they had two. They had uh, yeah, two like separate homes. Yeah, this was a little studios. bigger than hers. And it had a, and each had a studio. Mm -hmm. And then there was a bridge to, um, you know, to to join them. Which yep. P.S. Um, during quarantine, yep, doesn't sound too bad. No, <laughs> not at all. But, a little bit of an escape. Yeah, but but. Uh, Okay, go ahead and tell more about what you found out. Okay. She was saddened by his many infidelities, including an affair with her sister. This was the, that was the worst. Yeah. And that's what, okay. And this is just from the movie. So, okay, take it or leave it. But that was the most painful for her, for sure. It was her sister. Mm -hmm. And she had taken the sister in to their home because the sister had 
uh, her husband had been seemed to be abusing her and blah blah. So then she was, you know, helping her sister, and she had um, her niece, niece and nephew living with them, and Mm -hmm. then she was betrayed by both her husband and her sister. Yeah, that's a double whammy. That was terrible. That's not good. So in response to this family betrayal, uh, Frida cut off most of her trademark long dark hair. Desperately wanting to have a child, she again experienced heartbreak when she miscarried in 1934. She had also had a miscarriage in 1932. More misery. After that second miscarriage, she started to paint more often. Often the subject matter was about, again, about herself and and Rivera. So not only did she, in her early days, paint about herself and her problems and issues, but then she started to bring him into the paintings mm-hmm. and that, that kind of was reflecting their, their turbulent uh, lifestyle. Let's just say. Callow and Rivera went through periods of separation, but they joined together to help exiled Soviet communist Lenin Trotsky and his wife, Natalia in 1937. The Trotsky's came to stay with them in the blue house, you know, Callow's childhood home. Mm-hmm for some time in 1937. And as we alluded to before, he was on the run and that was the house that he almost got shot in. Mm-hmm. The blue house. Yeah. Once a uh, arrival to Soviet leader, Joseph Stalin, Trotsky feared that he would be assassinated if he didn't, you know, by probably by his old nemesis, uh, Stalin, if he didn't go on the lam, basically. And as you alluded to before, Frida and Trotsky reportedly had a brief love affair during this time. That was highlighted in the movie. Yes, it was. And, um, you know, I think it was an affair of convenience. And this was when they were somewhat, Frida and Rivera were somewhat broken up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't, I have no idea. But I'm thinking she was doing it uh, in a way. To get back at him. Correct. Yeah. What's good for the goose? Oh, What's good for the goose? Um, is that Shakespeare? I don't think so. Okay, because I cannot stand that. It's not a People great People say saying. it all the time. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I don't even understand. Is it? It's not Shakespeare? Because I know you love the Shakespearean. I'll have to look it up. Fine. But okay. it doesn't sound like anything that I've read from him. All right. We'll, we'll look that up. Okay. That'll be next podcast. We'll, we'll report back. Don't forget. So skipping ahead. Okay. Frida went to Paris in March of 1939 and was a big success. When she comes back to Mexico, Rivera divorced her later that same year. They did not stay divorced for very long, remarrying again in 1940. What does that remind you of? Hello, Liz and Dick. That's right. From previous podcast. That's right. But they, yes, he he could not stay away. Yes. I think he really uh, repented, you know, and and realized his, well, okay, fine. What's the look for? I don't know if he repented. Um, I I think he truly loved her. Yeah. He really did. Yes. And she says, you know, famously in this movie, um, you you were a lover, you were a friend, but you were never a husband. Never a husband. He was Something not a like husband. That. That's true. That's right. So he was trying to be a husband. That's right. So they, they can continue to lead separate lives. Um, but married. But married. Uh, being and supported in, each other. Right. And they both. But maybe they had separate. They had a lot of, there was a lot of. There was a lot of affairs. Yeah. Um, on, on over the years. Both sides. On both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. And in 1934, um, Frida was appointed a professor of painting at La Esmeralda 
the Educational Ministries School of Fine Arts. That's awesome. pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Never fully well, though, Kala began to further decline in her health, and she frequently turned to alcohol and drugs for relief. Yeah, because she had a lot of pain. Because all those, think about Tons all those pain. surgeries, they didn't have the same, you know, technology and whatever. And so she, yeah, she was in a, they, she was in, in pain for a she majority had of her life. Back in casts, yes. right? And again, mm -hmm. paint from looking at the mirror on the top of her, mm -hmm. her bed. And at the end, mm -hmm. her sister was one of her caregivers. That's right. They did, uh, they, made they reconciled yeah. and yep. uh, she would... Uh, you know, help her with pain medication and just being there and yep. et cetera. And during this period in the, in the later uh, 1940s, she painted again, numerous self portraits, uh, different types of clothing and iconic uh, graphics that she, that everybody seemed to be very impressed with. And uh, she always had, whenever she, she picked, she painted herself. She always had that like steadfast gaze that you were mm -hmm. talking about earlier. Yes. And that became kind of like a trademark. She went under. She underwent many surgeries in the late 40s and early 50s, often with prolonged hospital stays. Her ill health caused her to attend her first solo exposition in Mexico in 1953, lying on a bed. Because That's the, the opening frame yeah, of the movie. They're right, moving her on a bed. On a bed. And because she's the like, doctor Ugh. said, you can't leave this bed. No. So you must stay in this bed. And so then she's basically said, okay, fine. Right. And then they lifted the bed and brought her. That's right. Which was, which, you know, she was really strong person. That's right. Absolutely. She died in La Casa Azul, the blue house, a yeah. year later. The official cause documented was a pulmonary embolism. She was only 47 years old. Wow. After Frida's death, Rivera had La Casa Azul redesigned as a museum to dedicate her life. Oh, I, that's that's nice. It is nice. Yeah. The Frida Kahlo Museum opened to the public in 1958. Rivera was diagnosed with cancer in 1955 and died in November of, of 1957, before it even opened, like so you said. So he died before that opened to the public. That's right. Okay. That, yeah. But I think it's amazing. I mean, that... That her that that home really saw a lot of history right? oh, yeah. every, from I Mexican mean, history, yeah, and then artist her, history, right, and, and personal history, and communism history, yeah. So oh, that would be <laughs> that would be a cool place to visit. Okay, yeah, for sure. Side note, yeah, he died. He was seventy years seventy years old when he died, and he is remembered as an important figure in twentieth century art. Of course, for sure. Mm -hmm. His childhood home is now a museum dedicated to his life in Mexico. His life and relationship with Callow has been remained a subject of fascination and speculation. And on the big screen, actor Ruben Blades portrayed Rivera in the 1999 movie Cradle Will Rock. Oh, see, I didn't see that one. I, no, we didn't see that one. We should, though. Yeah, we should. Alfred Bellina later brought Rivera to, the, to life, co-starring with Selma Hayek as Callow in the 2002 acclaimed bio... bio Graphical film Frida, which is what we watched, and I really loved that movie. That's right. We, I mean, we watched that years ago. Yeah, and then just rewatched it to. Yeah, it's really good, really, really well told. And that is the story of Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. Love and misery. Love both. and misery. Both definitely like yes. heavy parts of both. Yes. 
Huh? I feel like it's heavier on the misery side. It could be. It could be. So um, we will continue our series next time with more of an infamous couple. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow, better known as Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. Please be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast and give us feedback or suggestions at loveandmiserypodcast at gmail.com, including suggestions, you know, yeah, people you want to hear. Yeah, please give us feedback, guys. About? Who do you want to hear about? Who has some love and misery? Also, what could we do better? We're just figuring this out. Sure. Uh, acknowledge We're mis- not, you know, yeah. professionals. Not at all. No, we're just... <laughs> just goofing around, having fun. Yeah, having fun. This is, you know, for kind of our Corona right. project. So um, I wanted to acknowledge some of the, the sources I used this, this week. Um, biography.com, FridaCallo.org, Britannica.com, Wikipedia.com, uh, DiegoRivera.org, and the book, The Heart, Frida Kahlo in Paris by Mark Pettijohn. That's it for the for now, you know. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.